This is the BadgerBlitz.com podcast. Welcome in. I am your host, Benjamin Wargle, the Wisconsin football and men's basketball beat writer for the Rivals.com network. I've been teasing you about this for weeks, and today is the day. This is a full Wisconsin football position-by-position preview podcast. We're going to take you through every position there is no guest today just full on talking about wisconsin football from the quarterbacks to the special teams inside linebackers offensive line tight ends you name it we are going to talk about today to get you set for this friday season opener against illinois camp randall stadium 7 p.m on the big 10 network an empty camp randall stadium but still football is going to be back in the big 10 and at the university of wisconsin so let's get right into it we're going to start with the quarterbacks because, frankly, quarterback was going to be the position that you didn't have any worries about going into this season. Jack Cohn was going to return as the starter. He threw for over 2,700 yards last season. 18-5 to 5 touchdown-interception ratio completed nearly 70% of his passes. You had confidence that Jack Cohn was going to be that reliable player in an offense that was going to have a lot of different moving parts. Well, reliability kind of bit Wisconsin in the butt, and now it suddenly becomes a huge position of focus and I think a huge position of excitement for a lot of Wisconsin Badger fans because Jack Cohn is out now indefinitely with a foot injury, underwent foot surgery earlier this month. We believe it is a broken foot, talking to sources, but again, no timeline, so Wisconsin's going to turn to the future of the program at the position in Graham Mertz, the redshirt freshman. We are believed, met, led to believe that he will start over Chase Wolf and Danny Vandenboom this Friday night. And like I said, Mertz has been viewed as kind of the, the, the X factor that's going to get Wisconsin over the hump and into the college football playoff and maybe just maybe into a national championship game. It's a lot of hype for this kid, but if you followed his career, hype has followed with him wherever he's gone ever since he committed to the University of Wisconsin and ever since he picked up tons of major college football offers from Ohio State, Clemson, uh, the list goes on. I mean, I'm, I'm struggling to name some because there's just so many to name. LSU offered him, virtually every Big Ten school offered him. He's just that good of a player. Almost 4,000 passing yards, a state record, 51 touchdowns as a senior out of Kansas, five touchdowns in the U.S. Army All-American Bowl that earned him MVP honors. He has been on campus now two years, enrolled January of 2019, appeared in two games last season, didn't really do much, 9 of 10 for 73 yards in mop-up duty play over Central Michigan and Kent State. But you talk to the players at the University of Wisconsin, you talk to quarterback coach John Bunmeyer. This kid is turning into a confident, special quarterback that's starting to meld with this first-team offense. And you talk to John Bunmeyer over the last two years, whether it be in group or one-on-one sessions, Mertz admits that he has seen structures of the defense with greater ease. He's pressures and how they affect coverages and rotations, and the quicker he can pick up tendencies the easier it has become for him to attack the weaknesses of the defense. Speaking to us earlier this month, he said, quote, it's been overall comfortability of the offense and just owning that leadership role in the huddle and just know where I'm going with the ball in different coverages. That's my improvement. That's been a consistent growth for me. And now it's at a place where I'm very confident of where I'm going with the ball, how I'm throwing guys open. And now part of that growth comes from watching Cohn, who rarely put 
Wisconsin in a bad situation last year. You know, Cone started all 14 games I mentioned, almost 70% of his passes, 69.6 to be exact, 18 touchdowns to just those five interceptions. You know, Budmeyer says that he hasn't seen an added hunger from Mertz since Cone went down and Mertz kind of got thrown into the first team offense. But that motivation to contribute remains unchanged. You know, Mertz has always been a guy that's wanted to compete and be that that guy that everyone looks at in the huddle. And Budmeyer also said he doesn't expect the offense will be altered in any large part because of Mertz's note-taking. Mertz has been described as a meticulous note-taker during one-on-one and during group sessions and just trying to capture every coaching point from a meeting and referring back to those scribbles to grasp concept. Mertz's penmanship has proved beneficial. And Budmeyer said that, quote, the biggest thing is Mertz's approach to the game and understanding how to study improvement over the last couple of years. And whether that's the playbook or defenses, I think what's, what that's helped him do is apply it on the field. I'd say his off-the-field approach and a lot of that he learned from going through what he went through last year, being able to see what a game week looks like, traveling with the team last year, and be able to jump into an offseason and know what kind of time he has to focus each day and have a different emphasis. That has helped Mertz carried over to the field. Now ask about his new quarterback's leadership. Left tackle Cole Van Land first referred to the fallen Jack Cohn before praising the new guy in the huddle. Jack's still a leader for us. I mean, all of our hearts went to him. We don't know, really know his timeline or anything. I think Graham's stepping in, he's stepping up. Um, I think he's getting comfortable in the huddle. We're getting comfortable with him. Um, I think it's been good. I mean, it's just it's been a process. I mean, things have gotten progressively better as we've been practicing, and it's exciting, and we're ready to roll, and we're really excited for next week. Now, Mertz's play will be important for Wisconsin's offense considering what the Badgers also have to replace around him. Now, for stars, there's no secret to what the Badgers will have to replace in their backfield. Now, the first player to rush, uh, first player in FBS history to rush for 6,000 yards in just three seasons, Jonathan Taylor, Stands number two in the Big Ten and number six all-time in rushing with over 6,100 career yards. Now, that total represents the FBS record for most yards in a three-year span by a margin of more than 500 yards of the second-place total. And just for those who wish Jonathan Taylor would have come back for one more year, in three years, Jonathan Taylor finished just 951 yards behind Ron Dane and a mere 231 yards on the official all-time record rushing list behind San Diego State's Donnell Pumphrey. He did all that in just three seasons. Now, you look at all those numbers put together, it's a daunting task for Garrett Groshek and Nakia Watson to kind of pick up. Now, after all, the Badgers are losing a player who ranked number two all-time in the FBS with 12 200-yard games and had 61 carries of at least 10 yards in all three of his seasons. Groshek and Watson have yet to record a 100-yard rushing game, but Garrett Groshek has proven himself as a reliable option both the run and the pass. He has averaged 5.5 yards per carry over his 168 career carries and 8.6 yards per reception on his 43 carries, so he's got that dual-threat capability to him. And last season, Groshek had 10 games with at least one play of 10 yards and four chunk plays over 20, impacting UW in the passing game with the running back screen. Now, UW offensive coordinator Joe Rudolph has he praised on Groshek for giving the staff options offensively, but can he become someone who can handle a heavier workload? Keep in mind that in the last 25 years, the Badgers have 
only been led by a former walk-on in rushing once, and that was Dari Ogumbawale in 2015. So it's always been this big scholarship guy who has been this power running back that's been able to carry that workload. And people think, at least the coaching staff thinks, that Nakia Watson could be that player because he has the look and build of someone who can do that in the Big Ten. A former four-star recruit, first-team All-State selection out of Texas, 3,700 rushing yards and 51 touchdowns on 6.6 average yards per carry throughout his three-year varsity career. Now, he had a little bit of time last year. He had 80 yards on 14 carries in the season opener. And while he didn't look very polished against some decent Big Ten defenses, he gained some experience that should help him move forward. And you kind of look at the combo here. Groshek is more of an outside-the-tackle runner, and Nikia Watson equates himself as more of an Ezekiel Elliott kind of this power back through the middle that has not great top-end speed, but some shiftiness to him, some shiftiness speed that can make him pretty elusive. So it's going to kind of be that committee approach probably for Wisconsin. Now, on the bright side, the Badgers shouldn't have any questions at the fullback spot. Mason Stocky stayed healthy for the most part last year, although his absence could be seen clearly with how Wisconsin struggled to run the ball in the win over Michigan State and the loss at Illinois. And Stokey's linebacker background makes uh, makes him look natural in run blocking. And, you know, John Chanel's experience playing special teams as a freshman helped make that transition to his role within the offense seem easier at the fullback spot. And both of those players, you know, occasionally line up in the backfield together to block for the lead tailback. But those two will provide a comfort blanket this season for a group of inexperienced tailbacks. You know, Jalen Berger is going to probably fit into the mix, too, somehow. Wisconsin almost always goes into a season with three tailbacks. But you look at the loss of Jonathan Taylor. While that's a tough loss, considering his production, the junior leaving early for the NFL wasn't a major surprise. The Badgers were kind of expecting that. But I don't know if Wisconsin really expected Quintus Cephas, A, to be back with the team like he was last year. And certainly to see him leave early probably hurts just as much as losing Taylor. Because Cephas was Wisconsin's biggest deep ball threat. As he and and Jack Cohen found a really good groove as the season went along. And according to Pro Football Focus, there were 132 quarterbacks to attempt at least 10 passes outside the numbers and 20 yards downfield. Cone grayed out with the sixth highest passing grade, connecting on six big-time throws, four touchdowns, and 243 yards on such attempts. And five of those big-time throws were targeted to Cephas. Now, the Badgers need to replace that kind of deep ball threat to open up the offense. The two players that Wisconsin's probably going to look at, a new wide receiver coach, Alvis Witten, has talked about this too, is Kendrick Pryor and Danny Davis. Now, each have played 37 games in their career, but both have missed chances to become more prominent in the offense over the last two seasons. Danny Davis especially. You know, as a true freshman in 2018, he averaged 16.1 yards per catch and caught five touchdowns, including three in that big Orange Bowl win over Miami. You look at the quarterback carousel of 2018, 40 catches for 418 yards and five touchdowns in 11 games. Not bad, but certainly Wisconsin fans probably expected more from Davis. You look at last year, Despite having a quarterback who completed nearly 70% of his throws, Davis posted a career-low 250 yards and just one touchdown. Kendrick Pryor is kind of the same way. He showed promise nearing the end of his 2017 season when Cephas uh, was injured, but he's kind of been stuck on average the last two seasons. had 273 and three touchdowns in 2018 and 278 and no receiving scores 
last season. Now, part of the decline for both players was the return of Cephas, who led the Badgers in catches, yards, and touchdowns in 2019. But with Cephas now gone and a lack of young young playmakers emerging over the last two seasons, the focal point of the position shines brightly on the two scholarship seniors. Now, Kendrick Pryor has said that, you know, 2018 wasn't the best for our team, didn't go the way we wanted. 20, and 2019, you look at where they were at the end of last season. He basically said, it's time for people to see or realize that we can do more and that we can be actual deep threats and touch top-notch receivers in the Big Ten Conference. Now, after those two, which you would assume will be the top two receivers for this offense, it's pretty much a crapshoot for Wisconsin. You know, Aaron Cruikshank was expected to be heavily in the mix for, at worst, the number three receiver spot until he surprised many when he transferred to Rutgers this offseason so he could play closer to home. Jack Dunn and Adam Krumholtz are good walk-on players who could provide help in some areas, but, you know, otherwise they're, they're fairly limited so the success will have to come from players fans really haven't seen yet because there's a big drop-off in age after the three seniors. You have A.J. Abbott, who played in four games as a true freshman and played in eight games last year. Taj Mustafa played in four games in 2018 and one game last year. Both players are from West Bloomfield. They play on a state high school championship team that year. Uh, Abbott was a quarterback. Mustafa had 985 receiving yards that season. But beyond that, there's a lot of just youth at that position. And Wisconsin, at least us in the media, we don't know of those players really who have stepped up to kind of take control. So it's really going to be the onus on those those two seniors and some of those walk-ons probably. Because not just you have Cephas to replace, you also have to replace A.J. Taylor, who's a really good slot receiver for Wisconsin for most of last season. So a couple of those upperclassmen, underclassmen, excuse me, will need to contribute and the same can be said for the tight end spot. And now for the second consecutive year, tight end coach Mickey Turner is going to have to develop depth at that position that has basically been unproven. And it's already kind of been a tough offseason for the position with Seth Kearns uh, deciding to transfer and Luke Benchwell announcing in February that leg injuries are going to force him to retire. Now, spring was going to be critical for Turner to kind of see what this large contingent of unproven players could bring to the, the table from a pass catching and blocking standpoint. But obviously those 15 spring practices were canceled because of COVID. What we've seen now in fall camp or what we've heard in fall camp is that Wisconsin really needs to find those suitable backup options to Jake Ferguson and who can really fill in a slot receiver role and a blocking tight end role. And one of the more interesting moves was Wisconsin moving Jalen Franklin from outside linebacker to tight end. Now, Franklin played in all 14 games last season outside linebacker, had two tackles and a sack, but head coach Paul Chris, in meeting with the media uh, late September, said the lack of depth at tight end and not outside linebacker kind of necessitated a switch. Now, Wisconsin did recruit Franklin to play tight end initially before moving him to outside linebacker, and now since moving him back, you like where Franklin is at. They said they appreciate Jalen's willingness to jump right in and see him change gears that way. Now, it's likely going to take a little bit of time for Franklin to adjust to the offense, particularly the nuances of Wisconsin's blocking scheme. So production will need to come from elsewhere early on, one would think. And two intriguing prospects who will get a look are are two scholarship players from the 2019 class. Hayden Rushi, uh, a former four-star rivals recruit. He's been lauded for his toughness, his route running, and his uh, catching ability. Clay Cundiff, a three-star guy, was praised for his pass catching ability and blocking in high school. 
both players are going to be needed to be involved to help the group in some form. And Mickey Turner uh, basically said they're just just these jocks. They're just these, these tough guys, kind of meathead type players that are just really, you know, nose to the grindstone and are going to help Wisconsin this season. You know, the Badgers also really like Jake Eschenbach, who has some underrated speed to his game that could help move him out into some slot situations and push Ferguson back into a blocking role. And all told, Turner told reporters this week that he could see between five and six tight ends suiting up for games, which is an unusual number for the Badgers. Usually they're kind of in that three to four range. But the position still belongs to Jake Ferguson, who continues to grow into one of the best tight ends at the conference. And Turner was asked, where can Ferguson, who had 33 catches for 470 yards and two touchdowns last season, improve moving into 2020? I get this question a lot about Jake, and kind of the easy answer is consistency. Um, we've all seen him make plays in the past. We all know he can be a complete tight end, but can you do it every play? Can you do it against Big Ten competition, which is some of the best out there? So um, his approach this year has been night and day. You know, he, he always was kind of a hungry guy, like he wanted to be put in tough moments. You know, you play Ohio State, like that's his favorite game of the year. But uh, is that game-by-game, game, day-by-day kind of approach that maybe it is a walk-through day or maybe it is kind of a lighter practice or you're still going to find a way to get better. Um, and he's he's bought into that wholeheartedly. I mean, in his, even off the field and his academics and what he does at home, how he takes care of his body, um, he's doing everything I ask of him. So it's been pretty cool to see. I think he'll have a really good year. Go to Josh Schaefer. Hey, Mickey, uh, as we sort of touched on earlier, you guys didn't have, you know, a ton of guys in the room last year, and obviously that led at some points to Cormac Sampson coming on and playing a little bit of tight end for you guys in the fucking sets. Um, sort of going to fill that role this year, or will it be like a lineman moving over again, or do you see one of your guys kind of being that blocking guy? I think we've got enough depth in the room that, at least for now, um, we can kind of handle it all within the tight end position. So, you know, the bigger body guys, you've got Hayden Rucci, um, Clay Cundiff are kind of up-and-coming guys that have done a really good job, play physical, um, can hold good, strong weight, and, and, you know, still keep some athleticism to them. Um, Gabe Lloyd's kind of a good backup guy who uh, has done it all before. He's played a ton of teams, so he's, he's a veteran guy out there. Um, and then you've got kind of the, the quicker guys like Jalen and, and Eschenbach that, you know, Maybe it's them getting in the game, and you move Jake as kind of your on-the-ball guy in some roles and, and you know, first-down, second-down type stuff. So I think because of Jake's flexibility, it gives you the freedom to see who's the next best competitor to get out there. Instead of having to pigeonhole it to, like, we have to have a big guy or we have to have a speed guy, it's kind of like who's the next guy that's going to help you win games. So, But um, I think we've got some guys in that spot. Now, of course, all of this is moot if the Badgers can't block up front. Now, just like last season with Tyler Biotish, the Badgers have some returning pieces that will serve as kind of the foundation for their offensive line to kind of rebuild around. Now, structurally, they're in some pretty good spots at the tackle spots, but they're going to need some reinforcement. And after producing the highest pro football focus overall greatest position in 2018 while splitting time with John Dietzen as the number one left tackle, Cole Van Land dropped to 40th last season after taking over the full-time job, regressing mostly in pass protection and some in run blocking. However, his two-year PFF run blocking grade ranks third best among left tackles. So the, the basis for Van Land is there, and he's pretty much going to be locked into that spot. You know, Logan Bruss at the right tackle spot has 19 starts under his belt, but he has the flexibility to potentially move inside 
where Wisconsin is going to be lacking. And if they move Logan Bruss inside, uh, where he may have started against Illinois, you have some room for Tyler Beach. And Tyler Beach, who doesn't really have the body to play inside, has the look of a really solid right tackle prospect for Wisconsin. There's been some talk, too, you know, when will we see Logan Brown? Logan Brown pretty much missed all of a big chunk, I should say, all, I should say, a big chunk of last season. And without the spring reps, probably is going to be playing catch up a little bit. So I don't know if we're going to see Logan Brown really in the rotation uh, to to an extensive degree, at least early in the season. I imagine we'll see him at some point with the number two offensive line, which is one of the, the sad things about not being able to see camp this year. You want to see how this prospect, one of the best offensive line prospects Wisconsin has ever signed, has continued to develop and how he can help fortify this offensive line. Now, replacing Biage and his 55 career starts is not going to be easy. And there's also the fact that Biagic's backup, Jason Erdman, is gone. And that David Mormon, his 55 career starts, is also gone. So the Badgers have a lot of experience that they need to plug gaps for in the interior of the line. And Kayla Lyles appears to be the top option to replace Biagic. You know, Lyles worked at center his senior year of high school at Middleton and his first year at Wisconsin. Now he moved to the defensive line in 2018 to help with the lack of depth and return to play guard last season. And so... Speaking to offensive line coach Joe Rudolph earlier this this, uh, this during this camp, he said that basically Lyles has been working at that spot with Cormac Sampson kind of pushing him, who and Sampson switched from tight end position last year. So both those guys have really been working. Sounds like Lyles will be the one and Cormac Sampson will be the two. But where will Wisconsin be at the guard spot? You know, Josh Seltzner, former uh, walk-in, has drawn some high praise from the staff and looks to probably get the first look at being a full-time guard after playing 14 games. And But who's at that other spot? Could it be uh, a Logan Bruss? Could it be like a Michael Furtney, the only scholarship offensive lineman in 2018? Where does Aaron Vopel fit in in his second year in the offensive line? But it seems like it could be a healthy John Dietzen, who is one of the, probably one of the biggest surprises uh, when the fall camp roster was released because Dietzen left the program after 2018 because of just reoccurring injuries. Now, Dietzen has started 32 games for Wisconsin, 20 at left guard, 12 at left tackle, and he was granted a six-year of eligibility by the NCAA after choosing to come back after kind of a year in retirement. Now, reported by his teammates as healthy, Dietzen could be that coveted veteran presence on the interior of the line that Wisconsin needs. And according to Chris, the key for Dietzen will be handling the increased workload of these back-to-back practices and the day-to-day in-season preparation and playing nine games in nine weeks. And thus far, reports indicate that Dietzen is handling the workload. Here's Van Land talking about the makeup of the offensive line as we kind of approach this season opener on Friday. I mean, obviously we lost Tyler. Um, we have guys right now, you know, Rudy, we've been rotating guys. A lot of people are cross-playing positions throughout camp. Um, a lot of people are learning all different positions to kind of finalize the lineup. I wouldn't even say that's for sure yet. Um, thing, like, we just, Rudy likes playing the best five, and um, I'm sure we'll know tomorrow what that best five is for sure going into the week. But, um I feel really confident with the group we have, and I'm really excited to get on the field with them and have the opportunity to play with these guys this year. You're listening to the BadgerBlitz.com podcast, and now we've made it through the offense. So let's take a close look at the defense, a defense that should be stacked for the Badgers in 2020 in the secondary and the defensive line. The latter, which has Isaiah Laudermilk and Garrett Rand back for their senior seasons 
at the defensive end spot. Now, Laura Milk started all 14 games of the line a year ago, while Rand played in 13 with nine starts. Now, Rand led the D-line with 27 tackles. Laura Milk's just stuffed the stat sheet for the Badgers last season. 24 tackles, five tackles for loss, three sacks, five pass breakups, two forced fumbles. Both those players will be bookends for this defensive end unit. And you have to like where Matt Hennison is, too, because he was able to rotate in after he had to start in 2018 because of injuries to those two players. And, and Hennison finished with 24 tackles and a career-best five TFLs and four sacks last season. And he also led the team with three fumble recoveries. It's kind of rewarding the staff for giving him that scholarship offer for all the work that he did in 2018. Now, in fact, this group is such stacked with talent that after only losing one reserve player, guys like uh, Gio Paz and Isaiah Mullins might have to wait another year before really contributing. But both of those players have been really uh, hyped up, uh, encouraged by Anoki Brechtefield as being some really good up-and-coming young players for this Wisconsin defense. And you know, much like the defensive end position, Wisconsin has all its key components back in the fold at the defensive tackle spot, too. Bryson Williams who was bothered throughout the year with a left knee injury, should be healthy and back in the fold. And Keanu Benton, who really stepped in as a true freshman and locked down the middle of the line in Williams' absence, finished with 12 tackles, four TFLs, and two sacks. That defensive line will be able to rotate a lot of players. They'll be able to keep players healthy and should just be relentless in going after ball carriers and the quarterback. That's going to be a huge foundation to this Wisconsin defense. And it's important to have that kind of foundation because there is some unknowns at the Wisconsin linebacker spots. And although the Badgers have had so many good linebackers over the course of the last couple of years, they need to replace an inside linebacker and an outside linebacker. Uh, some pretty good players who have left the program in Zach Bond and Chris Orr. Starting at the inside, Wisconsin knows they have a stud in Jack Sanborn. Sanborn led the team with 80 tackles a year ago. He, was, he had three picks that tied for the team lead, nine tackles for loss, five and a half sacks, played in every game, and help the Badgers hold each of their 13 opponents below its season average in scoring. Now, Sanborn has the makings of another NFL quality inside linebacker that is being produced within the Badgers 3-4 system. And inside linebackers coach Bob Bosa is counting on Sanborn to be a presence in the middle of that Wisconsin defense. Well, I think, you know, right off the bat, he's, he's got to be a leader. He's got to be a voice. He's got to... Uh, he's got to show confidence out there, you know, when he's out on the field. You know, it's not... You're not going to have the coaches out there or anything else like that to help you out. And I think those are the things that we need from him, first of all. I think he's going to bring great chemistry and leadership and all those things. I think the players respect him. So uh, that, that would be my first thing that, you know, and I think he's doing that right now. You know, he's, he's pushing other guys. He's pushing himself. He's being a good example. You know. We'll go to Colton Bartholomew. When we see that position, and um, also how how important will the depth be at that position, considering a a positive test could knock a guy out for 21 days? Yeah, he's still with us, you know. And I didn't really mention him as a young guy. I mean, he probably still is. Getting some reps there. Yeah, you know we've. We've got uh, three brand new guys in, you know, in uh, Preston Zachman and, and Malik Reed and, and uh, Jordan Turner. 
I mean, all, all three of those guys are true freshmen. They've done a, they've done a good job. There's there some things that, you know, each one of them knew better than the other. Uh, but overall, I've been really happy with the group coming in. Um, got another guy, Ross Kangler, came, came in also a little bit later there. And uh, I, I just like that young group. And, you know, we don't have a ton of uh, numbers. So I'm looking forward to trying to, to get these guys ready to go sooner than later. Not to get lost in the shuffle, but UW got solid productions from its number two unit in Mike Mascalunas and Leo Chanel. Now, making the decision to roll early to participate in spring 2019 practice has helped Chanel, who earned the respect of his teammates and trust from his coaches during the early months on campus. Physical strength and speed giving him a boost. Chanel played in 11 games last season, 20 tackles, and just was all over you know, the stat sheet with tackles for loss and sacks. Mascalunas is kind of the interesting case here. He, all 14 games a year ago, 16 tackles. He has played the third most games on UW's defense, only behind Garrett Rand and safety Eric Burrell. So overall game experience is on his side. And even though he hasn't played a ton of first-team defensive reps, he has caught the eyes during this fall camp of his position coach, Bob Bostead. Uh, you know, Mike's done a great job. Uh, you know, and I can't say enough good things about him. You know, his... He's going to be a priceless piece to this group this year. Um, really, and really, what he brings is versatility. You know, he's he's going to be able to play the Mike position. He's going to be able to play the Will position. You know, he's going to be able to plug in at any time. I mean, obviously, he's a four-core guy for us in special teams. Um, you know, he's just really what what this program. You know, this is what you want. This is the guy you want who's self-made and done all those things, but. No, I can't say enough uh, good things. He has the right mentality for a room. You know, uh, he's all in, you know. And, you know, as far as playing goes, you know, I think he's had a, a really good camp. I think he's playing as fast as he's ever played. Uh, he sees things. He's confident. Uh, I'm really excited to see him play. Much like inside linebacker, the Badgers have a solid starter at outside linebacker and an unknown Playing opposite Zach Bond last season, Noel Burks earned a starting spot in Week 2 and never gave it back. He played in all 14 games. He finished 6th on the team in tackles, 4th in tackles for loss, and had an interception against Northwestern that he returned 68 yards for a touchdown. Now with Bond and senior Tyler Johnson gone, Isaiah Green-May will likely get another opportunity to compete. Green-May started the season, but was never the same after breaking his right thumb, which opened up the door for Noah Burks to play. UW outside linebacker coach Bobby April wants to have five guys in his rotation and believes that Green Bay is that second impact guy at that spot behind Burks. Yeah, you know, it's always hard to play outside back with a broken thumb, hand, wrist, whatever it may be. You know, that's our number one tool. Uh, and I guess you said for anyone is our hands, but uh, for us drastically because we're trying to hold that edge all the time. And uh, when you lose that, you lose a lot of confidence in it too. So, it's taken a while to get the confidence back and have the strength in that arm. Um, uh, he's showing it now. Like, he's got the abilities. He's better than what he was this time last year, which is always a great thing. You're always trying to do that. And uh, I think it's more of a confidence thing. Uh, and, and, and it's more than just the, the hand, right? I think it's a maturity. You know, he's, he's grown a bunch. Uh, he's an older man in, in the room, right? He's the second oldest. He's starting to put on weight. He's He's... He sees himself as, as, a, as a football player and a competitor. But I don't know if you could say that two years ago. I think he was just part of the team. 
One player that has been talked about throughout camp is Nick Herbeg, a freshman who enrolled early and tried to participate in spring football, but instead has just been grinding away for the program in the weight room and in the playbook. April said that Herbeg is tough, smart, and dependable, a Wisconsin trademark for certain, but said that he's a playmaker, something UW would love to have coming off the edge this season. April has also taught Spencer Lytle as someone he can count on in games, a smart football player who is everything the staff wants for that position. Lytle has also been on campus for quite some time, but the only caveat is that he's battling an unknown nagging injury that is kind of preventing him from really cracking into the rotation. Even if UW has a hiccup at the linebacker spot, the Badgers have the comfort knowing the corners are easily the deepest group on the entire Wisconsin roster. Every contributor is back from last season, giving defensive coordinator Jim Lair the flexibility to continue to use a rotation to get all these players on the field. But Fayon Hicks is probably expected to see a lot of reps. Hicks has played the most meaningful, meaningful football of the entire group and took big strides last year in his technique and his coverage. And it just doesn't stop at him. You know, thrown into the fire as a true freshman, Richard Wild Goose was more composed and confident last season with his ability to challenge receivers at the line of scrimmage. He can play both on the outside and in the slot during nickel packages, making him a valuable commodity to move around. Caesar Williams came on strong down the stretch last season and has the height and athleticism to compete against any Big Ten wide receiver. Asked Minnesota's Tyler Johnson about that. Caesar Williams led the Badgers with 11 pass breakups a year ago. But Deron Harrell faded down the stretch after starting off strong and did not suit for the Rose Bowl, but he's expected to be in the mix. Dante Burden flashed his potential with a half sack off a corner blitz in the Rose Bowl. Samar Melvin took advantage of the newer redshirt rule by playing in just four games last season, but two of those games were late season starts in the nickel against Minnesota and against Ohio State in the Big Ten Championship game, which should say a lot about how he's viewed by Leonard. This is just a deep cornerback group that is very confident. It's a group that shares uh, highlight links with one another of cornerbacks making interceptions. Caesar Williams said that of his 11 pass breakups he had a year ago, he wants to turn them all into interceptions in 2020. Very, very confident group, which is what you expect from your cornerbacks. And even moving more into the middle, Wisconsin is just as experienced at the safety spot. You know, Eric Burrell came to Wisconsin known as a physical safety, willing to throw his body around to make plays in the box and at the line of scrimmage. But over the course of the last two seasons, he really has been able to develop into a competent pass coverage player in the slot, and especially over the middle of the field without losing that playmaking ability at the line of scrimmage. He is ranked by Pro Football Focus as the number eight returning player in the Big Ten and the number 25 player nationally, highest among all the Wisconsin Badgers. And his two-year coverage grade by Pro Football Focus is among the 10 best in the entire FBS. He's allowed just an uh, an average 32.4 passer rating on his targets in that span. That is a very, very solid number. You look at last season, Burrell Burrell was targeted 25 times in coverage and allowed just 10 to be caught while combining for nine interceptions and pass breakups. But for being a physical safety, Burrell has struggled with his tackle Uh, He missed 17 of 71 tackle attempts last season that led to some explosive plays. And considering that there'll be some inexperience in front of him at the beginning of the season, improvement in that area is going to be important. And also trying to develop a good chemistry with the safety next to him. Now, UW suffered a setback when team doctors were unable to clear Reggie Pearson for this season. Pearson's 60 tackles were fourth most on the team, and he tied with five others with two forced fumbles. 
Fortunately for Wisconsin, they're getting Scott Nelson back off a torn ACL, something they probably wouldn't have been able to do had the season started on time. Now, Nelson is now 13 months removed from ACL surgery, so his health should no longer be a concern. If he gets back, Scott Nelson, to his 2018 level of play, where he had 41 tackles and three and a half tackles for loss in nine games, Wisconsin should be able to absorb the loss of Pearson. Now, UW also will have Colin uh, Wilder as a key rotational player. He played in every game last season, filled the stat sheet. And senior Madison Cohn will also be involved after moving from cornerback to the in the offseason. So as you can see, Jim Leonard has a lot of options and a lot of competitive guys with game experience to work with off a group that finished 12th nationally in passing yards allowed, 13th in pass efficiency defense, and limited opponents to a con- conversion percentage of just 27 on third down. That's the best mark nationally. Still, they're a group that needs to improve in some areas. They allowed 326 passing yards to Purdue and 320 yards in the Big Ten title game. Need to shore up those two areas in that group. Certainly, with that Big Ten title game, that will be in the back of their heads throughout the season of the benchmark of where they need to get to. And last but certainly not least, we come to the special teams, a group that tends to be forgotten, but one that will be in the spotlight considering the amount of turnover the Badgers are dealing with at the spot. Wisconsin has to find a new kickoff specialist, a new punter, and kick returner, as well as improve in its coverage units and the field goal kicking. Now, Colin Lars was the team's primary kicker last season, finished 12 of 18 on his attempts. He was 7 for 7 and kicks under 30 but then 3-for-6 between 30 and 40, and 2-for-5 and kicks over 40. Now, considering UW didn't sign any specialists in its last recruiting cycle, Larsh will be the guy, but he needs to improve considering Wisconsin's offense could take some time to get going with so many new weapons. Badgers lost two one-point games last season, including against Illinois, and the Rose Bowl being another one, Larsh missed one field goal in both of those contests. Now, UW also needs to find a capable punter, and there's now three on the roster, but all have no game experience at the Division I level. The top option appears to be Andy Vujinovic, a transfer punter from Division III Dubuque, a native of Columbus, Wisconsin. He was just granted a waiver by the NCAA and now is eligible to play this season. He's got a big leg, five of his 49 punts for 50 yards or more. He's got a long of 62, is able to pin opponents inside the 20-yard line, did that 15 times. So... Appears to be the guy that Wisconsin is going to go with. Now, Wisconsin needs to be able to find a big leg to replace Zach Hintz uh, at the kicking with kick coverage. He's been instrumental, the big leg of Zach Hintz with the kicking coverage of the past two seasons. The thought was Blake Wilcox from Cal Moraine High School in Wales was going to be the answer at that spot. The redshirt freshman was a five-star recruit, the number three-ranked punter, and the number five-ranked kicker nationally. However, Wilcox wasn't extended a roster spot in May after taking a leave of absence from the team. So this will make Wisconsin even younger and not as potent as they've been in years past or potentially could be. And now kickoff return was a position that Aaron Cruikshank showed tremendous impact. And just think of the, the, the Rose Bowl, how that return quickly erased Oregon's scoring drive to open the game. And you know, Cruikshank fielded 23 of Wisconsin's 28 Kickoff returns last season. Isaac Garendo had one. Takia Watson had two. John Chanel had one. And Kendrick Pryor were credited with the others. Now, Garendo has the most explosiveness of the group, and he won't be subjected to the wear and tear like the others, who will likely be stars or key contributors at their respective positions. But who is working at that position is currently a mystery to the media. So we'll find out when you find out on Friday night. 
Jack Dunn returns as the punt returner after averaging 8.33 yards per return last season, but that number is inflated by his biggest returns coming against UW subpar non-conference opponents. Wisconsin's going to need some more explosiveness in that area and some better coverage from their punt coverage unit. And really, the only position on special teams Wisconsin should feel good about is Adam Bay returning to be the team's starting long snapper for the fourth straight season. Improvement is needed across the board from Herring's units, units that really will have a huge impact in whether Wisconsin wins or loses some critical games on their schedule this season. That's it. That's every position covered to get you ready for Wisconsin's 2020 season and its opener Friday night against Illinois at Camp Randall Stadium. We'll preview that game and more throughout the week on BadgerBlitz.com and here on this podcast later this week. Make sure you stay logged on to BadgerBlitz.com for all the latest on Wisconsin football, basketball, and recruiting. Follow me on Twitter at TheBadgerNation. Follow BadgerBlitz on Twitter at Badger underscore Blitz. It's game week. It's finally here. Anxious to talk more about Wisconsin-Illinois as it gets closer. And as always, thank you for listening to the BadgerBlitz.com podcast.